You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Beginning with our course tonight, we will examine the Prophet from a more micro personal perspective. In the last two, three years, we've examined important events in the life of the Prophet before receiving revelation, after receiving revelation, in Mecca, migrating to Medina and the events of Medina. But the Prophet is our role model to learn from him, from his character. So we'd like to better know the character of the Prophet. At a personal level, level how was his character? How were his manners? How did he deal with people in everyday life? This is an area of the Prophet's life that we as Muslims who follow the Prophet need to be familiar with so we can implement the teachings in our daily lives. So we can take his manners, akhlaq, interactions and try to emulate that in our everyday life. The Prophet is the greatest creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah testifies in the Holy Quran that the akhlaq of the Prophet, his manners, his moral standards, his ethical standards are indeed great. Allah states, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ You, O Prophet, you are on a very high standard of akhlaq. Now when Allah says عظيم, great, significant, Allah does not exaggerate. When you are praising your friend, maybe you exaggerate. You have the best manners, the best akhlaq, the best character. We exaggerate, it's normal. But Allah does not exaggerate. Allah doesn't flatter anyone. Allah only speaks the truth. And Allah's measure, Allah's standard is different than our standard too. For me something could be great, but for Allah it's not that great, it's insignificant because Allah, He's the greatest. So when Allah says the akhlaq of the Prophet is great, that's an amazing testimony coming from Allah. Allah who is the greatest of the great says that the akhlaq of His Prophet is great. In one beautiful hadith, the Prophet reminds us that the akhlaq he has, they come from God. Allah infused him with that akhlaq. The Prophet states, Allah is the one who mannered me. If you see a well-mannered child, you ask who mannered this child? Who taught him manners? His mother, his father, his teacher, a friend, a neighbor. The Prophet says the one who taught me manners is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now imagine if God is your trainer who teaches you manners, what kind of product you'll have. In another hadith, the Prophet summarizes to us the reason why God sent him. Yes, Allah sent him to bring us the Holy Quran, to complete the final religion, but at the core of the Prophet's message was what? Akhlaq. 
The Prophet says, Innama bu'uthtu. Innama means indeed, only. Innama is a restrictive phrase in the Arabic language. Only for this purpose. Innama bu'uthtu. The reason why God sent me, لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ To complete the standards of morality, the virtues of morality. That's the main reason why Allah sent the Prophet. So if you really wanted to summarize the philosophy behind the Prophet's message, it's in one word, to complete the moral path. That's how important akhlaq is my dear brothers and sisters. And Islam teaches us that life is all about ethics. Not money, not wealth, not business, not power. Everything has ethics. Even in the world of business we have Islamic ethics. Sometimes in a capitalist society, the end goal is just to make money. Accumulate as much as wealth and capital as much as you can. Sometimes sacrificing moral and ethical values. In Islam there is business ethics, yes. Go and make money. May Allah bless you for that. However, there's ethics you have to observe. Anything that's unethical in your business, Islam considers that haram business and Islam considers that haram money. Islam is based on moral standards and ethical standards and Allah is the one who determines moral standards for us, not society my dear brothers and sisters. Society is not fixed, society changes its mind every day. One day something is good, the next day it's bad. The Arabs at the time of the Prophet some tribes thought killing their female infants was honorable to do, it was a disgrace to keep them that changed. Now when you'd ask those Arabs, who told you these are moral standards? Why do you kill your children? Society tells me this is right. How do you trust society? Here in America, decades ago homosexuality was considered a disorder, it was looked down upon. Today more and more Americans are accepting it. When you tell them why is this right? Well society says, how do you trust society? Society flips every once in a while. Norms, customs, you can take from society, but moral standards, no. Allah has to determine them for them. Because when something is not based on a fixed system, it doesn't have any value, it loses its value, you can't rely on it. It's unpredictable. With the system of Allah, it's predictable, it, it's fixed, it has value. Now by the way, speaking of business ethics, Islam teaches us that when you treat others positively, in a good way, respectfully, it should be driven by genuine sincere intentions, not by selfish interests or to benefit. See a lot of times you'll find in many countries, in a lot of western countries, that people do have akhlaq, people do have a standard, um, of morality, of ethics that they use to deal with one another. Let's call it in the business world, good customer service, right? Have you seen some companies, some stores, they have excellent customer service. Some hotels, hospitals, they have excellent customer service. Or if you sit in first class in the airlines, they have very good customer service. So they're treating you well with akhlaq, but what is that usually motivated by? It's motivated by money. The reason why you're treating other people good is because you want more customers and you want more business. Is it really genuine? Islam teaches you be genuine. 
When you deal with people, don't treat them humanely and positively because you'll benefit. Yes, you will benefit, sure, but that's not your main intention. That's Islamic ethics, where it's done purely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for humanity. So the Prophet was the symbol of akhlaq, and it's his akhlaq that made him successful and attracted people to the religion of Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ It was from the mercy of Allah that you became lenient with people. Then Allah states, وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ لَمْ فَضُّوا مِنْ حَوْلِكَ If you were hard-hearted, rough, you dealt with people in a rough way, people would have dispersed from around you, they would have left you. فَعْفُ عَنْهُمْ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ Therefore, be kind to them and forgive them. We also have very important narrations that speak about the importance of husn al-khulq, of maintaining good character, of having good akhlaq. A man came to the Prophet He said to the Prophet, Maddin, what's religion? Tell me what religion is. The Prophet told him, husn al-khulq, having good akhlaq. Now when we say akhlaq, it's not just attitude. Akhlaq is a collection of attitudes and also moral virtues. For instance, being generous, that's part of akhlaq. Being humble, that's part of akhlaq. Not being selfish, that's part of akhlaq. It's not just being angry or having a smiley face, that's part of akhlaq. But akhlaq is encompassing of all these moral virtues. So the Prophet tells him religion is akhlaq. Then he was standing in front of the Prophet, then he went to the right side of the Prophet, he asked the same question, Maddin, what's religion? The Prophet told him to have good akhlaq. Then he went to the right, the left side of the Prophet. He told him, what's deen? The Prophet told him, husnul khulq. Then he went and stood behind the Prophet. It seems he wanted a different answer. Like why is the Prophet insisting on this? I want to know more about deen. The Prophet kept telling him, husnul khulq. So when he went to the um, back of the Prophet, the Prophet told him, Ama tafqa, don't you understand? I'm telling you deen is akhlaq. Let me give you a more concrete example. Deen is for you not to get angry and frustrated. That's deen. See how the Prophet summarizes deen in this one word. Another hadith from the Prophet states, the Prophet says some people, maybe they're weak in ibadah. They did not dedicate a whole lot of time for ibadah. For the mustahab, for the salat al-layl, for you know, the mustahabbat. But Allah on the day of judgment will give him an amazing reward. He'll be very high ranking. How? If he has the proper akhlaq, a high standard of akhlaq, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will let that compensate for the shortcomings that he had in ibadah. That's the significance of akhlaq. 
Yet in another hadith, the Prophet states, ما يوضع في ميزان مرئن يوم القيامة أفضل من حسن الخلق. See, on the Day of Judgment, we have a scale that balances our good deeds and our bad deeds, right? Now, on the good, on the on on, in, on your scale, what's the heaviest thing that will be put? That could be a game changer. It will tip the scale, either in your favor or against you. What is it? Your akhlaq. If you have good akhlaq. Allah will put that on the right side of your scale, that will outweigh your sins, it will tip the scale in your favor and if you had bad akhlaq, that will make you lose your test. So it's very important to be mindful of our akhlaq. And then the Prophet in another hadith he states, he says, most of my ummah, do you know how they'll get to heaven? Through two ways, one is taqwa, piety, being mindful of God. Number two is akhlaq. Through their good akhlaq, they will eventually get to heaven and Allah will forgive them. And then the Prophet yet in a final hadith that we'll examine here before we examine his personal akhlaq, the Prophet says, don't be deceived by the outside appearance of some people. The Prophet says, don't look at some people, they're excellent worshippers. They pray so much, they fast, they go to Hajj every year, and at night they engage the whole night worshipping, reciting, and you can even hear their voices. That's part of religion, but that's not the core of religion. What's the core of religion? Look at their truthfulness in speaking. Are they truthful or do they lie? They fabricate, they manipulate. Are they trustworthy or no? Can you trust them with money, with secrets, with important matters or no? That's what determines whether a person is really religious or not.